Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the war room. We got Dev, Kill, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, a hot block commander. How you wanna end up one or two hour show and keep the brain running with the printers and talk sports on a national level? Roll with the topics, sort of like the rubber. When it's game time, they like the Fab Five doing prime time. Sports conglomerates speak their minds a little bit. For sports medicine and sports veterans and great. The 4 for 26, so the war ain't can wait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table. Five silly guys diversified and educated. What up, though? What's good, War Room family? You're once again live in the War Room, brought to you by War Room Sports on the War Room Sports Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts. I'm the boy, Dev McMillan. I'm at the round table with my brother, B. Awesome. Well, I'm not really at the round table with him tonight. He's off in the war wagon doing what he does for War Room Sports in the community. So, uh, look, uh, Jimmy the Blueprint. We love it, no, no doubt. Jimmy the Blueprint is going to join us. Um, probably in about 45 minutes to an hour, if we're even still on the air by then, because, you know, we, we're running short on topics in the last few weeks because there's no sports, because we are in week number 15 of no sports due to the global COVID-19 pandemic. But with the sports leagues tightening up plans to reopen, um, they're beginning to be met with a little bit of resistance. So we're going to talk about that. So keep it locked right here with us in the war room. You may not get to the whole two, but if you want to get in on the conversation while it's still going on, sign in right now to the By the Hood chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room, or you can join us on Facebook or Twitter at War Room Sports. We'll also be taking your calls on the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline at numbers 323-410-0012. Before we get started, make sure that during the week when we're not live on the air that you remember to check out archived episodes of our show on our own network at warroomsports.com. Um, you can also check us out on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Google, and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a whole lot of other places. While you're at it, make sure you check out all of our shows on the network. Um, shout out to John Appetit with the Burtons, After Further Review with the Mayor, the Broad Street Line with Roy and Chris, the Tissue and the Tape Hip Hop Show with Phil Maddie 365 and Survive and the whole crew. Um, what up, B? What up, Aki? What's going on, man? Man, just out here living the new normal. The underdig, overstand. Out here living and the new normal, man. Dig. All that. All that. I know I know right, I know since George I know since George Floyd was murdered, seven more have been murdered. But, you know, you can't hear that from, you can't hear that from yours truly though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Why they out here, you know, changing pancake boxes and 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 yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, they charge listen, bro. Messages bro they, in the street. And they they charge they charge those officers in Atlanta. So guess what the Atlanta police force did? Walked off. Quit. I saw that. Quit. I saw that. Four, so four, like, four out of six precincts, they quit. See, but that's that's the that's the thing that gives police a bad rap. Like you we always want to talk about oh, there's good cops out there. But they stick together when they know that a bad cop is doing man, bad cop. Man, things. man, it ain't no so, bad. It ain't no bad rap. They all culpable. They all. They all the same. If you if you gonna stick stick with that and stay loyal to that, then 
you got to take everything that comes with it, man. All right, but let's let's get into this because you know, like I said, we, we we try and get up out of here tonight because sports we just don't have that much to rap about, but we got a little bit to rap about in the NBA. But before we do that, gotta let you know that hot topics are brought to you by my bookie. Look, family, when sports do finally return, you all can make tons of money. Sports betting at MyBookie. If you still haven't checked out MyBookie, you can get your account up and running right now. So when you're ready, the games, you know, when the, when you're ready and the games do start back up, you can lay down some cash on the biggest games in sports. Just join us and thousands of other online players placing bets at MyBookie.ag. If you guys are tired of getting excuses when it's time to collect on your bets from these other platforms, give it a try. You win, they pay, no hassle. You're basically wasting your time sports betting on, on a lot of these different places that you're doing it online. They even have in-game live betting. So you can place wagers after the game starts. So join now. Better do it before they open up this bubble in Orlando. And my bookie will match 50% of your first deposit up to $1,000. Just use the promo code WARROOM, all caps. That'll activate your offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Join, win, and get paid. Period. All right, man. So with all the talks going on in the NBA um, about opening back up and finishing out this season in the bubble in Orlando down at the wide world of sports, um, we talked about last week there being a faction that was actually given a little bit of resistance. And, and, and at the time, I think the big component, the big the the big thing with that faction was COVID-19. This week, some things have swung in a bit of another direction, and the leading voice of dissent was uh, Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie Irving is basically telling everybody that he doesn't think they should start the, they should restart this season, and they should keep the momentum and, you know, step up to the plate and be a part of everything that's going on out here with black people still out here fighting for equal rights and um, against police brutality and everything that's going on right now. He thinks that's the direction that everyone should be headed. Um, one thing about Kyrie, he does have a shoulder injury and was originally done for the season anyway. So when it comes to him, a lot of people are kind of shooting at the messenger even if his message is one of a noble variety, um, it was also floated that Kyrie um, mentioned to a lot of the players on the call that, you know, they should start their own league. And, and we've heard these kind of talks before, never really from inside of NBA circles. But, um, you know, we've heard this kind of stuff before because of the power that these guys do wield but a lot of them are just, you know, so used to status quo, nobody's really willing to take that risk. So what do you think about Kyrie being the, the leading voice of dissent here? First, before we get into the new league thing, um, what's your thoughts on just him saying everybody should concentrate on what's going on out in these streets because the NBA at this point would be a distraction? Um. I stand in complete support of any black person that wants to take a step towards revolutionary change. 
any black person that wants to step forward and and further even 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 though I may or may not share your perspective and viewpoint on solutions to what we see, I support where he's coming from completely, going beyond what he's speaking of for black folks and into the COVID-19 situation. While again, I don't believe in living my life locked up or cooped up. I respect those that take precautions for what they feel they need to, for the most precious thing on this planet, which is life. So even though we may have personal differences in our approach, I completely respect his position and support it in that they're pointing at two issues, A, the quarantine, B, well, actually three, A, the quarantine, B, the economic impacts, and C, which really probably should be A, the changes that that they feel need to occur in this country and indeed throughout the globe with um, battling white supremacy and, and human rights violations and infractions. So overall, before we get into the nuances of the conversation in certain contexts, in certain contexts, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I support I'm the same way. Like when we, when we discussed the White, Howard, the White Howard's comments last week, which were shocking to me, um, because he's kind of taken up the same stance as Kyrie Irving and figuring that this is, you know, basketball at this point is a distraction. Um, I think people can think about more than one thing at a time, but if you think about it, sit, you know, sitting around when basketball comes back and watching a bunch of games, like that takes people off of the street. That takes people um, who have been for the past three weeks, you know, to a month now in the street fighting um, and, you know, everything that they've been doing. But if you're a big basketball fan, you know, that might just, just the comfort of, of being able to come home and watch something stress-free. Like it, it could be a distraction. I understand what they're saying. Um, and at the same time, if you're a, an NBA player and you want to be front line with it, then it's definitely a distraction for you because they all have to stay in a bubble anyway. So, you know, I, I, I know what he's saying. Mm-hmm. You, you know, there's a segment of the population, uh, which I would say is actually a large segment, that, that, well, let's put a name to them, the shut up and dribble crowd, right? I I, I tend to agree with the, the notion that, you know, hey – basketball and sports in general can bring us together and can, can, you know, can unify and it's a common ground with people of different viewpoints and a walk and walks of life and come together. And, but time for that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the time. So if that's what you're thinking of sports as, as a distraction, no one needs to be distracted right now, especially right. If, if the people, particularly the young people are calling for change, then, allow them to dictate the direction that this should go in as is, as has always been. It comes from the youth. The youth usually see what's wrong. They see what, how they're being mistreated within the system of things. And they say, hold up, 
you cats that have been at the helm of this ship have steered us towards the 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 abyss and we're here to turn that around so to that end i i respect and and support the notion that hey it's not necessarily time for sports because there's a bigger issue here there's something that needs to really be focused on yo man as someone who's right on the cusp of their generation, some people place me in it, some people take me out of it. I salute those that are dead set and dead center in the middle of that generation for for, for the narrative that they're pushing. And the, the shut up and dribble, see, the shut up and dribble crew, that that group of people, the mere fact that they say shut up and dribble and I want my sports back, that harkens back to uh, plantation owners utilizing their slave labor as entertainment. I was about to say that they're, um, they're no, making the exact point that you know people yeah. are, are are fighting against right now because it's you know it's it's shut up and dribble because you're just good for my entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Um, Don't care I about you as a human they're, being. They're, Don't care about your issues. Not interested I in hearing. Yo, they, just entertain. Or I think when they restart the league, the players who've been pushing for it, which are the bigger superstars in the league, and we kind of talked about our thoughts on why they're more pressed to play than everybody else because their legacies are on the line with you know every season that goes by, every championship they win or don't win, their legacy is on the line. So I, I also think that when they restart, those guys, whether they want it to or not, are going to feel the pressure um, to speak when they get in front of a microphone, you know, which is a good thing. But I think a lot of them are going to feel the pressure because you have another faction that's saying, man, this is a distraction. We shouldn't be doing this. So they're, they're figuring, well, we're going to do something when we get back in the, you know, when we get back on TV, we're going to use our platform. And then that's going to cause the shut up and dribble crowd to come out in droves. And there's going to be a big issue, you know, when the league does start back. So it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't, the same people are going to be upset. So, you know, it's a decision that they're going to have to make. Um, Avery Bradley weighed in, um, and he said something that I like because he was asked about, well, how does sitting out fight racism? He was like, the actual act of sitting out doesn't directly fight systemic racism, but it does highlight the reality that without black athletes, the NBA wouldn't be what it is today. The league has a responsibility to our communities and helping to empower us just as we have made the NBA brand strong. Shout out to Avery so, Bradley for that. So how far so how far up the list has Avery Bradley made it as your favorite uh on your favorite player list? <laughs> Yo, he he hopped way up the list. But that brings not me that to he can issue. not that he can really hoop. But right, right. But listen, <laughs> That that brings me to this issue and, and a couple of questions that I want to ask you. Um, I brought it up earlier that Kyrie Irving, there's rumors that he floated an idea that the players should get together, you know, pull their resources and start their own league. You know, just kind of a, a power move. And it goes to what Avery Bradley was saying. If we leave, you know, what is that going to do to the NBA? We kind of hold the power, but even with the power that we have, it seems like a lot of people is always just willing to cede that power and allow the, the, the current power structure to 
you know, do what they want to do anyway. Like I was talking on online with some people about this the other day, and these aren't the 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 people that we've been arguing with back and forth over the past two three weeks. These are, you know, other black people, and you know, the sentiment among some of them is like, well. You know, the NBA isn't racist towards its players, so, you know, why would they do that? Why would they do this? I'm like, the NBA, it doesn't have to be anything malicious to be a part of the system. The system is the power structure. And, you know, a league with 75% black men bringing in all the revenue, being the show, like, we look at power these days as being, you know, free agency. And you being able to pick your your own team, that's power. That's what people think power is. But you got these guys sitting back that can't play a lick of basketball, making billions of dollars off of these guys who wield the power. If they all, if we could all, as a collective, they could pull their money together. And we talked about this on this show and some of our other shows. Remember, remember, we talked about you know how black people always, you know, our thing is to go around screaming, vote, vote, you got to vote, you got to vote. Wow, you know, Asian people, they've learned to pull their money together and buy policy. They influence policy with their money, just like everybody else influences policy, besides everybody that's just running around screaming, vote. If they were to pull their resources and actually go out and start a new league, would the advertisers, sponsors, everybody, TV, the networks, would they have a choice? Would they really stick with the NBA when all of the talent is over here? We know this isn't something that can happen overnight. And you know the reason why it will never happen is because a lot of people aren't willing to take that risk. You know, this is a small window of playing sports. So people are like, I'm not trying to waste any time in my career being a part of this movement and moving leagues and having to build stuff up. So you know it's never going to happen. But I think it's a, a novel idea. And I really don't understand the mentality of not, not the players who are afraid to take the risk be, but I don't understand the mentality of actual black fans who are speaking against it. Like, like the NBA, like Masa Reynolds has been good to us. I'm not going nowhere. Like, what is that? And I, and I know I hear you. I get what you're saying because you're, you're looking at it through the lens with which you would look through it but also understand that some of the greatest and strongest forms of white supremacy and where it comes from is actually, is actually black people because we're bought into the system that has, I don't want to say owned us or created us or in this country. So it's, it's, they support it. We, they prop it up. The minute we stop propping it up, it definitely changes. B. Steve Dico said the most potent weapon of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. The mind of the oppressed. There you go. Amen. So, and, and then to the, to the point of, first of all, again, I have to say that I am happy, proud, and, and very, very excited to see the level of consciousness that some of these young brothers in the NBA are demonstrating with the with the desire to create their own create their own league that's a that's big man that's big now will it ever happen or come to be a reality absolutely not the the system is designed 
to work the way that it needs to work, and they've allowed Ice Cube to have his little 3v3 league, which really doesn't compete. And that's all you're going to see. You're not going to see anything else. No, yep. that, so. it, it makes sense. And like I said, I understand it because it just, you're just not going to get enough people to risk themselves in order to do it. And you, you pull together the, the richest NBA right. players. You got the money to do what you want to do. But there's, you know, a lot of people, I mean, you come from certain backgrounds and stuff like that. Like you make it and you, you're really just not trying to be that guy who's going to sacrifice your riches to make something better. You're just going to go through the system, do what you have to do. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't understand that. Like I said, for me, the bigger part of what I don't understand is actual fans who are fighting against it and calling Kyrie stupid and, and all of that kind of stuff. I'm like, who, who raised you? Cause, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, 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 it's weird to hear that. Weird to see that. So, I don't think this dissenting faction, even with a, with a name as big as Kyrie, in, in the long run, I don't think it's going to mean anything. Um, like Patrick Beverly said, if, if Brian hooping, we all hooping. So, you can expect basketball to be back, even though COVID numbers are shooting up in a lot of states, and Florida is yeah. one of those states. They've they've opened Florida and then reclosed some of Florida because the numbers just got out of control almost immediately. So I mean we'll see, you know, when it comes down to COVID, what they're gonna do with this whole uh wide world of sports thing and this bubble. Um so somebody else who's been talking a lot of stuff about Kyrie Irving and his ideas and what he thinks about the league restarting this year is Kendrick Perkins. Um, he's gone on TV and just completely become bums, like Bums should not be allowed to speak. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> they allow this dude to speak every day, but it seems like every day this week, um, and I'm reading the quotes because I don't watch these particular shows, it seems like he's been taking aim at Kyrie Irving. I'm going to read some of his quotes. He said, we know why. Kyrie, he said, if you take Kyrie Irving's brain and put it in a bird right now, guess what that bird is going to, guess what that bird is going to do? It's going to fly backwards. Perkins said, uh, he said this on uh, get up on ESPN on Wednesday. He said, Kyrie right now is confused. He's showing his lack of leadership. Then he went on another show and said, uh, Kyrie Irving, right now you are the distraction. You are the distractor. It's crazy to me because you come out and you do something simply without talking to President Chris Paul or consulting with Michelle Roberts. Let's sit out without a plan. It makes zero sense, and I totally disagree. Um, what are your thoughts on little mouth bum-ass Kendrick Perkins having so much to say um, about a union he's um, no longer a part of? A, a lot a lot of people are going to really take a shot at our credibility. You know what? I just take at my credibility because there's a bias there. They know that uh, they know how I feel about Lil Mouth. They know that I feel that he shouldn't be allowed to live because he's such a waste of space and humanity. But he's so far inside of LeBron's shorts 
that all this has to do with is the fact that is the fact that Kyrie hit that shot and Kyrie thus far has been the only real threat the only real the on, the only real threat to LeBron's dominance head up on a team now 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 clear be be clear here Kyrie Irving is nowhere near LeBron James LeBron James is the, is the best and greatest player we've seen in the last in the last 10 years period that that that's it but in his own right Kyrie Irving has shown he's a he's a dynamo in his own right and that's a threat that's a threat to uh to LeBron and any threat to LeBron Bron sexuals and witnesses are going to speak out and speak up again that's 90% of what this has to do with that's 90% no, no, of what it has to that, do because with. if you if you look at every news um outlet that is either tweeting this or making an article about it and they're like praising um uh, uh Kendrick Perkins it's somebody who has an axe to grind with Kyrie. You know what I'm saying? Cavaliers Nation did it. And you know how he left there. So, you know, it, it, it's weird. And and people that I know personally who now, now, really, really, really they are taking Kendrick Perkins they don't like the fact that, uh, like, how dare Kyrie Irving not want to stick around and play and help LeBron get another championship. Like, how dare he want to leave? It's those, it's those men from a male standpoint, it's those males, male fans that have a homosexual interest in LeBron. But let's also be clear here. Throughout yeah. all of this stuff that's going on in the world today, I stand with LeBron and his commitment to social issues and being a social activist with his platform. Totally respect right. it. Totally appreciate it. Definitely do not want to take anything away from what LeBron, the man, the black man is doing and standing up in these times. So it's not even about LeBron. It's about Richard eating and the fact that, and the fact that, that, that Kendrick per- Perkins is comfortable creating and attaching his brand to LeBron through Richard Ridery. That's it. He's, he's, he's cornered. Well, uh, a couple of um, NBA players weighed in on Twitter about, you know, the stuff that he was on TV saying about uh, Kyrie Irving. Wilson Chandler tweeted, he said, ex-players turned into suckers right before your eyes on television. Um, and then he tweeted, divide and conquer Salute, salute, salute Wilson high. Chandler. Salute him. <laughs> he said, divide and conquer tactics at an all-time high. Kevin Durant just tweeted one word, gave him a half a bar. <laughs> he called him a sellout. He just said sellout. Um, so, no, salute you know, to, salute to, to the ball. Kevin Durant, even though he did a good move. When they say this, I don't even really think it's about any message. You know what I'm saying? They just, I, I, I've learned over the years that players just don't like when ex-players get on TV and criticize guys like they weren't a part of the, um, you know, the fraternity. I understand it, especially when you're talking about basketball. You're talking about somebody's game. Like a lot of the times, not all the time, because he can go overboard personally sometimes too. But I would say at least 
80% of the time that players get mad at Charles Barkley, he's talking about their game. He's talking about basketball. And once you do take that job, you do have to be objective about that. But it's the, the, the times when people want to go overboard with the personal stuff. And it seems like that's always Kendrick Perkins. He's always stirred the pot. No. He stirred the pot he's with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook so much that he had to apologize about KD back in January. So I don't understand it, especially – you know, the level of player he was. Like, <laughs> so he, he has a, a whole lot to say on the subject. Let's let's go to the phone line real quick, man. We got the homie Nas calling in from Dell. GA. Nas, what's going on, man? What's up with you? Hey, no, man. Cool. What up, y'all? Not much, man. What you think about Kyrie? Yeah, just talking about little, just just talking about little mouth. A little more, yeah. A little more <laughs> yeah, man. It, see, it's difficult to talk about because Kyrie definitely deserves some criticism for this. But then the other thing is, if y'all a brotherhood, why are y'all leaking this out? Why are y'all not having this discussion behind doors? Putting this dude in the, you know what I mean, in the bullseye for everybody to kind of shoot at. And Kendrick mm-hmm. Perkins is just doing his Stephen A. Smith imitation. He's figured out this is the way to constantly be on. This is a way for me to, you know, continue my career as a, uh, what, what would you call this, faux broadcasting? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> continue doing that. So, yeah, so that, I mean, that, that's general. the game he's running. Everybody mm-hmm. sees it, so they called him out on it. So it's like this. They have Zoom meetings. They've had, you know, these phone calls. They've had all this time of preparation and discussing things and all of that. And then at the 11th hour, Kyrie comes out and is like, yeah, I think we should do this. So I get people being mad at him. Like, it's like, dude, you're the representative in this space. Like, you're not just a dude. Like, you got certain responsibilities with this, and you can't handle this so flippantly where it's to just start having, like, dream talk of, well, we should just start our own league, and we should just do it. Like, dude, come on, man. Like, relax. No, the protests aren't going to stop because basketball so, comes back. So, you know, so, so, <laughs> like, so not, so not. As as a as a as a brother and and kind of understand like re, re, reality is there's no effing way that they can start their own league, but if there's a genuine thought of independence versus acceptance, salute and shout out to our brother Jimmy, isn't shouldn't that be saluted? Shouldn't that be you know celebrated if if it's a genuine if it's a genuine sentiment? I think that's what people might be questioning, though, B. Like, it's a if, if it's genuine, yeah. In the time of a of a global pandemic, and he's just like, like a, a lot of these dudes might, and I'm not saying this about Kyrie, but a lot of these dudes that are speaking out, like Dwight and a couple of dudes like that, they could just be jumping on the on the whole bandwagon and making everything about what's going on in America and going on in these streets when they really might just be afraid to get sick if, if they went down to Orlando. So right. Which could we don't know who gets the point. Right. The, the other part is I think they care. I think they really are interested in figuring out, okay, how do I help? What can we do? I just don't think they're really thinking about it long enough. And if you were really talking about starting the league, that's not a discussion for everybody. That's a closed door over cognac late night, y'all in the little smoky room, banana boat conversation. You don't have that conversation out for everybody within the, within your ranks if you really wanted to do something like that. But a more realistic version would be what? These uh, fledgling WNBA teams. 
buy them. You guys can afford them. You got your connection with the league. The whole thing is, is it's easy to dream of replacing the NBA. Problem is, it's kind of too big. It's kind of a monopoly, as the ABA found out. So the best thing to do is use it to your own game. So you got the relationship to WNBA. Buy those teams up. In 50 years, as women are, you know, becoming way more important in sports and they got all these fans and players, those leagues are going to be worth something. Hell, we've seen in our own lifetime the NBA go from uh, being shown on uh, delayed tape to, you know, the global hegemon that it is now. So, you know, give them that space. If you really, you know, are interested in ownership, uh, buy up what you can now for the, for the low ski. So I'm just looking at it like this. Kyrie is somewhat of a dreamer. So I'm sure it started sounding good to him, but I don't think he really put the time in necessary to really get to what he wanted to get to. It's like, bro, if you yeah, want to And that was going to be my next point. This is, this, this is where the test comes. Like, as you go in your career, as you retire, like, the people who are thinking like that, keep that same energy. Like, once it's over, don't stop talking that talk because now – you're at a point where, okay, it's not affecting or interfering with you playing. You can really try to start making some plans around what you're doing to see if you can make this become a reality. You can see if you can rally enough, you know, former NBA players who are filthy rich at this point to actually do something. But you're never going to get these young generation to play. You're never going to get these dudes to just walk off the job with you if you don't have anything, you know, feasible waiting for them on the other side. It's the same thing with the whole um, best prospects going to HBCUs. You're not going to have people that's willing to risk their career to do that and to carry that movement. Like, you, you have one or two people yeah, talking man, about it every HBCU three years, and nobody really does it. Right, let's go say? to the HBCU that. The only reason we call it HBCUs is because they started getting flack from the right wing back in the day about – so-called exclusion of other people. So they put historically in front of the name of to kind of, you know, make it as, as non-threatening as, but let's be real about those, those colleges and universities. They are really dependent on federal funding. Uh, the idea that you're going to get in the, in the fight with the big boys in basketball and football who are going to come after you. And the other part, and you, y'all, y'all know black educators who've worked there, man. They take a real, real amount of pride in not being a football or basketball factory. And the idea that they would put athletics over learning, like that that's just not gonna ride. I, I think they'd have more trouble with the board and admissions and everybody else than they would from anything else, because HBCUs have to be to a certain degree <laughs> above board, way beyond what Duke has to or North Carolina or whoever. Like I said, ask Ole Miss. When Ole Miss start winning all the recruiting classes, the whole SEC turned on them, and we've seen what happened. Like, <laughs> you're not about to just jump in this game and everybody else just say, oh, okay, I guess they get all the recruits now. Like, nah, man, they try to destroy these HBCUs, and I don't think the HBCUs want any part of it. Yeah. I mean, like you said, being, like, so dependent on federal funds, like, you just – I mean, just on a simple level, we just don't have, like, the facilities to draw in these kids. I mean, they go on a visit at an HBCU, and then they go to Kentucky or Duke or something like that. It's going to look great when you're on campus and you see everybody that looks like you. You're going to see the young ladies. That's going to be fine. But then when you go to that other school, they're going to take you to this 
arena, not to a gym. <laughs> They're gonna take you mm-hmm. to a weight room that's bigger than the whole arena at the HBCU. Like it's 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 just a, a different world, and it's gonna be very very hard to catch up. Um, yeah, so there's not a lot of people way, out there that's willing to be the one. Right. If I had my way, I would want them there. But it's like when you think about it from the HBCU brass standpoint, it's like, no, we're higher institutions of learning. Like, we are bringing in troubled people a lot who are extremely dependent on financial aid. Y'all seen the financial aid offices line and are trying to mm-hmm. kind of fix people's, uh, you know, fix people's education level, level when they get there. Talk to most HBCU coaches and they'll tell you the reason we got this talented guy is because he had some problems. And we're going to try to fix him, get him up to speed academically, and you know, get his kind of his life to get like it's a lot of work that they go through, man. And, and, and then he's going to transfer. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. When you get him yeah, together, the idea then of a he's football factory—they just ain't trying to be that, man. That they, they represent so much more. And honestly, it kind of shows the hypocrisy of these other so-called higher institutions of learning. You know what I'm saying? The, the the fact that they're willing to kind of trade off uh, the things on their whole little school motto and actually be these football and basketball factors because that's what's paying the checks. We got all these dudes bad. coming up with COVID, and they still trying to play. <laughs> like chunks of people, like eight, nine people on one team. And they like, we got to get this season off. <laughs> we can't open the dorms, but we might need you to come in here for spring practice. Like, that's how, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> greedy that hand becomes but i ultimately understand where people are coming from it's like we're still enriching other people that board of regents and everybody else who eats off that trough that you know black athletes are producing at these major universities is a problem man like i told people before before a uga game let let the manager take somebody's name off the schedule for saturday man them people be ready to fight because that money trickles down all the way to a bar and a restaurant like Everybody getting paid except for the people producing the money. Like right. it's all the way wrong. So I'm with y'all. Yeah, it, it's going to be very difficult. At some point, we're going to have to have some some gradual changes where we can flip the power structure of you know the sports industry. But they're going you yeah. know this, this, this system is just going to make it damn near impossible to do that. But right, we'll see. Over time. Overtime See who the, happen, the brave ones are But salute to Kyrie man Because he's taking a lot of fire from people man Some man. of it's unfair And critical to the point of where they're trying to destroy the dude Dude has a good heart And I think he means well He just didn't think this out too well But ultimately If y'all brothers in arms Why the hell y'all leaked the information to begin with Yo Kyrie been taking bullets from flat earth <laughs> he's still taking facts. <laughs> All right, Nuz, man. We, you know, we appreciate All your right. call, man. We holler at you. Thanks, brother Nuz. All right, we got uh, Tobias calling in from Arizona. Tobias, what hey. up? What up? What up? What's going on, Milk Yacht Travelers? How you gentlemen doing today? Pretty good, man. Hey, what's, man. What's good, good. Trying to, trying to find a way to make Kyrie Irving's dreams become reality. <laughs> you know what the problem is, though? And this is like, the problem is that this all stems from black people, number one issue, that a lot of black people can't agree on, don't understand. It's, it's social economics, being the poorest people. 
And yes, we can talk about getting your own league. We also suffer from timing. For example, Jerry Reinsdorf, the cheapest, the, the owner of the Chicago Bulls, who treats the Bulls like he's owning the New Orleans Pelicans or the Oklahoma City Thunder, that cheap blankety blank, bought the Bulls in the 80s for like $9 million. Now the Bulls are worth two, two and a half billion. If they run the market, probably sell for four or five because people are bidding for it. So right there. And then also these people got in touch with these politicians. They own the arenas. The networks are in good with them, with those other leagues, with the league as well. So I think there's a lot of timing as well because in the amount of money it takes to own a league, if you want to run the league, this is where we got to make sure black – it's going to take time, like Nas said, with this one. Black people get the social economics, the reparations, the things that we owe, the access to capital, where we can create businesses, where we can get into real estate moguls, so like own farms and all that, where we could be billionaires and own teams as well. And that's how you run the league. The commission does mm-hmm. not run the league. The owners run the league. And yes, yeah, we're going to get the $14 trillion and just, just raise Cadillac stock. <laughs> you ain't lying. Hey, Cadillac stock and uh, – and you know, you know, Coco stock also, but you know, like Michael Jordan's a billionaire, right? But his money's off playing basketball, like LeBron. So they, you know, I'm not knocking it. You flip it, but with that trillions, right? We talked about that's how you get black people getting other industries where they don't have to play a sport and they could be one of the richer owners, like a Kroenke who got in real estate, and that it will also give us an opportunity to fail as well. Because many black folks go into business, they don't have the capital to survive failing one time of going bankrupt. Jerry Jones could cut social capital. And then also with the HBCUs, like Dodd's saying with funding, the problem is most black kids go to college on credit, meaning you get out, you got a regular job, you're paying loans back. Name me the black person, regular black person with HBCU that could drop a $100 million uh, endowment or a million-dollar endowment. Jerry Jones dropping money in Arkansas. T. Boone Pick is an Oklahoma State's an oil guy who's dropping millions of dollars. Got the stadium named after him. So I think the facility thing is right. That is that is what's killing them. But if we make us whole as a people, we could be able to invest in those colleges and get those facilities up to par. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. So what do you think about um, Kendrick Perkins being so loud as a voice of dissension against Kyrie Irving? All I know is that I, I bet Shannon Sharp and Nick Wright hate him because he's trying to take they spies LeBron's group, number one groupie. I don't know, but uh, but I, but but I want see. I don't like the whole bird brain comment because hey, you could be an analyst, you could critique someone, but you ain't got to talk about folks like that. And I think that's what Kevin Durant was coming from. Well, oh, names. Yeah, like you don't call, like names and stuff, but it's like hey, I believe that. See what happens is. We understand about social justice, but that thing takes a lot. That, that, I'll say that in a moment because I know your, com- your comments may get mad when I say it, but they have to play because if you don't play, that's they they could blow up the, C- the CBA, and all y'all money going to be gone. You ain't going to have no money because newsflash to Kyrie and all those people, activism costs money. Social justice costs money and that you have to fund these things. Uh, just talking on Twitter is great and all that's fine, but you're going to have to pay off politicians, bail people out, maybe put people to school, all these things that you have to do. And that, and that costs money. 
uh, and, and just saying, you know, and that's what I think people don't get. But I don't hate Kyrie. If he does, one the thing I hate is that he ain't playing anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but if he don't want to play, that's your decision. But if they See, cancel but, the season, that's why that might ain't make it. Ain't gonna be good. That's why I was saying earlier that it's like it's 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 difficult for a lot of people to hear the message from this particular from messenger because. First of all, as far as not restarting the season, like, you were injured for the season anyway. So you're not giving up the same things that we're giving up. And being on the injured list, he still gets paid. A lot of mm-hmm. these guys, if they decide not to come, they're not going to be disciplined for it. That's the provision that they came up with. But they're also not going to get all of their uh, you know, salary for the year either. So that's why the, the right. message kind of comes off difficult for some people because they're like, dude, you weren't going to play anyway. And, and here's the other thing, also. Also, like Avery Bradley, he thought he made some good money in his career, but he ain't made Kyrie money, you know. And plus, Kyrie endorsements and so all that. Because I know, like LeBron, a couple of players already got their full yearly check, but they but they don't comp the NBA back, whatever, because something like with the law, you know, the games and stuff. Mm-hmm. But LeBron and Steph Curry can sit through that. But what about the Avery Bradleys, the Patrick Beverleys, the Quinn Cooks of the world? They can't afford the season and not start back because they're going to lose money. They'll never get back on endorsements. I ain't knocking those guys, but ain't nobody buying no Air Pat Bevs or, or having <laughs> Pat Beverly advertise your car or a Pat Bev Uncle Drew movie. And I think that's what, and I think that's why LeBron's like, let's play because, one, they can rip up the CBA. Meaning that it ain't going to be no 50 50 split. It might be 70 30, 80 20 for the owners. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then you reduce salary cap, reduce salary. And so if you don't want to play, don't play. You get my, my dude from, during the Lakers G League team, the Andre guy with the gray hair, he'll come out there and take some shots. <laughs> you know? But, uh, <laughs> but, but you're not going to have perfect. I think what happens is people are looking for perfection. You're not going to have perfection with this, people are going to catch it. You know, but you have to just manage it the best you can because you can't be perfect. I think when you try to be perfect, you mess it all up and everything. And can I say this? I know you, can I say this? Yeah. Hey, I don't know. I don't know who's. I don't know who's the biggest stalker in the world: Hannibal Lecter or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers media. They got helicopters and drones <laughs> following Tom Brady around. Why does he throw footballs at a high school around here? It's like, dude, can can we not see? Look at the guy. It's funny how they stalking them. And I'm like, dude, I'm just thinking to myself, y'all are putting up these crazy expectations, and if he doesn't fulfill that he won't be able to live up to. And fans are saying Super Bowl or bust. And it's like, bruh. <laughs> it is like they're, they're depending so much on Brady and Gronk. And it's like, do these players realize they're about to be on all the hot take shows? We had a kicker miss like almost fifteen kicks last year. Don't he know he gonna be on the hot take show? Or the left tackle like, miss on the block? They gonna be on the hot take shows now. That's the that's the, other side, that's the other side. Goes south. That, that's the other side of the coin that a lot of players don't think about. Like, of course you're happy, you're getting these names, you're getting a Tom Brady, you're getting a Gronk. But when the expectations go up, and if you you know if you guys don't live up to them, y'all are gonna be the ones taking bullets most of the time. And Not Bruce Arians. People and are going to be sitting around, right? People are going to be sitting around giving Tom Brady and maybe even Gronk all the excuses in the world because they've won so much. So they're going to get 
the benefit of the doubt, even if it's them out there stinking it up, it's going to be everybody else. We've seen this, you know, that we've seen this story a whole lot. Yeah, and guys, you know, and like they, all these years they kept saying Brady does the most with the least. Well, he had the least last year and didn't do so hot. So it was the receiver's fault. And so well, now like said, at this it, point, at this point, you know, father time is a mother. But but people are factoring that in as much as they should. Like he's not going to yeah. be able to do it forever. So and and, and my last yeah. thing is this first thing is taking my call again as usual, but and, and, like, what happens is, is that, like, this team had 130-some penalties last year. That's a lot of penalties. Yeah, I know about turnovers and everything, but it's a big adjustment because Bruce – now, I know Jameis threw all those picks, right, and blew a couple games with those picks. But Bruce Arians is pretty much saying that's why the team went 500 solely him. My thing is, now the rest of the team may say, oh, shit, man, we good, you know. <laughs> he ain't worried about us. But but the part with Brady coming in is every other deficiency – it's going to be highlight. You run a bad route. You miss some blocks. You're going to be on the hot take shows. And Bruce Arians is on the hot seat now in Byron Leftwich because I support my black coaches and everything, right? But how do we know Leftwich is good at his job? <laughs> what did he become anointed as a great offensive coordinator? He ruined Rosen. Uh, you know, <laughs> Bruce Arians is kind of loosey-goosey here. Now, now, with time, he could be a good coordinator. But look how much pressure is on a second-year offensive coordinator in this system who's learning his craft, you got Tom Brady. And, oh, yes, by the way, if there's no training camp, you're going to start a brand-new rookie at right tackle with no camp, and you expect him to um, protect Brady. Good luck with that. I'm, people just ain't looking at that, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. We shall see, man. Guys might be good, but I don't know. I don't I don't know where I stand on it. I mean, I got some time before the season starts or before the, you know, the time comes when we got to make predictions and all of that stuff. You know, I, I, I'm just, I'm in real careful mode about anointing them, you know, with uh, what would be then a 43 year old hall of fame quarterback. With like, no camp. Some point, with no camp. Right. At some point <laughs> he's going to fall off. I mean, it looked like that fall off really started to happen last year. I think a lot of times when people predicted it, it didn't necessarily happen. But last year, it actually started to happen. But that team hey. was still good enough to do what they did, so you don't look at it as bad hey. as, hey, damn. you know, a falling straight off a cliff. What's up? I, I will leave you all with these two stats. 16 mm-hmm. to 20 Brady's years in the league, he had a top 10 defense. And also, there was this clown of Bucks fans saying Corey Dillon wasn't saying back when he got him, although Corey Dillon ran for 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns. That neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> but also – Brady has never made the Super Bowl when he did not have the first round bye. If, if that's something that people have never considered, and I saw, I saw that. So if he doesn't get this first round bye, and at 43, he and Breeze fade over the past couple of years down the stretch, that's something people ain't looking at. They just seeing a name and saying, hey, it's a Super Bowl. But they got to understand it, and the division is tougher too. That's what people aren't factoring in either. These ain't the Bills, the Jets, and Dolphins. Right. But, hey, but but you guys take it easy, man. I'll take it off the air. All right, man. We'll holler at you next week. Peace. Peace. Yeah, yes. Yeah, you know, it's it's the expectations are definitely um wild and off the wall at this point, uh, for the Buccaneers. B Austin out in the war wagon. What up? Um yes, sir. anyway, real quick, 
do this uh, stat of the week and this quote of the week real quick. The stat of the week, this was just random. This came up because um, I, I got into a conversation earlier about Wayne Gretzky for some reason. So for some reason, it just dawned on me to look up what percentage of the NHL was from Canada. So our stat of the week, 43% of players in the National Hockey League are from Canada, and that's down from 53% back in 2012. So back in 2012, over half of the league was from Canada. And the reason why I was in a conversation and somebody was talking about, you know, Gretzky, but they were kind of claiming him as an American, and I had to remind them that Gretzky is from Canada. But then their 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 counterpoint was kind of like, oh well, yeah, but he, you know, made his name and played over ten years in a in a in an American league, and I'm like, yeah, you know, the National Hockey League, I guess they do their taxes in America, but that's <laughs> that league is damn near half uh, Canadian as well, so you know, you could claim the location if you want, but even hockey, I mean, B, I know you don't really mess with hockey at all, but if I was, to, if I were to ask you like where the best hockey players come from, I'm pretty sure, you know, the easy answer to that. So, you know, it, it was a weird conversation, but um, I would say anyway. Russia. <laughs> if this was the 1980s, but <laughs> we know what Canada hitting for these days. Um, Quote of the week. Now, this was interesting. The quote of the week comes from your president, uh, President Biff Tan, I mean, President Donald Trump. And he was recently asked in an interview um, if Kaepernick should get another shot in the NFL. Surprisingly, or not, if you think a little deeper into it, he said, and I quote, if he deserves it, he should. If he has the playing ability, he started off great. And then he didn't end up very great in terms of a player. Yeah, his vocabulary is trash. He was terrific in his rookie year. I think he was very good in his second year. And then something happened. So his playing wasn't up to snuff. The answer is absolutely I would. As far as kneeling, I would love to see him get another shot. What does that mean? But obviously, he has to be able to play well. If he can't play well, I think it would be very unfair. So does that do, do those comments surprise you at all? That, you know, the same guy who, who said, get those son, sons of bitches off the field for kneeling um, is saying that he would give Colin Kaepernick another shot if he... No, no, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise at, at all. With the approval rating being what it is and what's going on in the country, yeah, he, they, realize, they realize that that's a distraction that they can now utilize and say we've made a concession by allowing Kaepernick to play. So you guys should stop uh, stop caring now. I was, I, was, I was trying to see if you were thinking on the same wave as I was. I'm sitting here like, yo, this, this is pretty much election season. He's going to say nice things because he got a couple of uh, – he got a couple of blacks on the, on the line, and he's trying to reel them in. So he's going to say what he has to say. This is not going to be a get that son of a bitch off the field type moment. So uh, we definitely were thinking along the same lines on that one. All right, so everybody, y'all know the deal. You guys can um, check out our website at warroomsports.com. 
Um, if you want to talk about anything that we're talking about this evening before we get off the air, make sure you call in and talk with us. Uh, the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline is open. That number is 323-410-0012. Just press 1 when prompted. But if, you re- if you're already listening from your phone, you can just press 1 if you want to talk. But right now, we're going to get into While Y'all Were on the Grind, which is brought to you by Sports the Book. If you guys are tired of reading the same old sports books with the, the list, the rankings, the imaginary starting lineups, the GOAT talk and debates and all kind of subjective information that people are passing off as facts, be sure to pick up your copy of Sports, an acronym, Smart People Only Read the Sports. It's a mixture of sports and hip-hop culture to keep you on the edge of your seat, to keep you laughing like you're watching a comedy special, and to keep you interested. So just go to sportsthebook.com and get your copy, or you can get it from our website at warroomsports.com. Don't forget, it's written by Warroom Sports' own Jimmy the Blueprint Williams, so don't miss that movement. All right, anyway, I'm in the while we're on the grind, speaking about Herschel Walker, speaking about you know, the blacks that Trump got on the line. Well, this one's not on the line. He's already in the bucket and uh, in the ice. But Herschel Walker is personally offering to send people who want to defund the police to countries that don't have police. <laughs> um, y'all know Herschel. Played 12 years in the league. Um, fast as hell. Big but couldn't cut. <laughs> Had to put on his brake. Um, you know, he probably ran 14 yards. Like Herschel. Herschel, let me explain. Let me explain the type of uh, the type of Negro that Herschel Walker is. Herschel Walker is. Herschel Herschel Walker came out of uh, came out of the Deep South, where his uh, where his people were probably a little mistreated. You know, not necessarily knowing, not necessarily knowing what uh, what it was to be completely free. Correct. So then you have you have that, but he was afforded privileges based on what he could do for Massa, which was run fast, jump high. Man, I got me a strong buck. And so as his life elevated, and it was always thankful, thanks to Massa, he doesn't hold uh, white patriarchal society responsible for anything. For 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 him, everything is all good. And so, it, you know, he's always going to be an instrument of patriarchy, white supremacy. Yeah, he's always remember, gonna he, be made, he made some comments um, a couple of years ago about kneeling that was, you know, way on the other side of what a normal brother would be thinking. His exact, his exact quote, because, you know, everybody tweets their thoughts. He said, I have an idea for all these people who don't want any police. I'd love to meet with American Airlines, Delta, and Southwest and make a deal to fly them to countries that don't have police. I want them to be happy. Then he added CNN, yeah. he added Fox News, he added Donald Trump Jr., he added POTUS, and he added ESPN. Um, oh, he, he was trying to go viral. Bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, let me Yo, try so, to get everybody who got something to do with this conversation. But, Jim, this, this is the question I have for y'all, man, and, and B. Why is it that the people who are so far right and, um, you know, those animals that dig through the trash cans at night in certain neighborhoods, and I ain't talking about rats, um, why is it that everything, like they, they make everything into an extreme? 
Um, because, you know, anybody who's listening, anybody who's reading, anybody who wants to learn would understand that defund the police doesn't mean people don't want police. It doesn't mean that people, you know, defund doesn't mean take all of their money so the police uh, well, the police well, listen, and one, one of the one of the things, basically one of the meaning, things. It basically means you know decrease their funding for, for certain things. But I, why is everything often, so extreme? <laughs> we we talk we talk about well we, we talk about all of these issues, but one of the things that we don't in in society we do, but in society is the weaponization of coons. Coons can be weaponized. Coons can be weaponized by white supremacist masters. And Herschel Walker is an example of the weaponization of the coup. Well, first off, I got a different take on it. Herschel Walker is uh, is buckbroken. Um, and if y'all don't know what buckbroken buck, means, you can buck do, 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 do your Google. All right, but, not, but buck broken, my Gone, y'all. I, hey, salute, right, gentlemen. Got to roll. All right, all right. One, one love. Yo. So to to your point, Deb, I believe that uh, this goes back to people using their power for bad, right? So when you start to study what the conservatives or the far right um, have, and the thing, and again, I'm not liberal either. Don't put me in either one of those uh, other of those places. But what I understand is those people, a lot of them at the top aren't stupid. So it's a lot of Olivia Popes that love to control narratives. So. In order to control a narrative and move the to move the people one way, I take what you say. I know that's not what you mean, but what's more effective than saying defund? They don't want police. Like it's more effective to start to pull because what you recognize is right. people are stupid and they need a story. Everyone loves story, so once you start to weave a story together, you know that you can move a mass amount of people at your whim by telling this story. But at the end of the day, they know they know it's real because we live in a world right where it's almost cool to be stupid. We live in a world of anti-intellectualism, um, and that's what they—that's what catapulted this side to the point where they are now, where they have so much power, because they're playing to people's emotions. Most people are emotional and don't think logically, so I can play to your emotions by just, you know, um, taking taking one thing like you say, like you you mentioned earlier, when someone says that they're for gun control, they're trying to come to my house yeah, and take my gun. That's not gun. what gun control means. But if I say well, uh, if, I say, well, if, no, you, if you're pro pro choice, that means you want everybody running around killing babies, taking you know yeah yeah yeah, having yeah. you just have un- unprotected I, sex and you just have right. abortion I, I personally of know Jimmy. I personally know people that's pro choice, but they would never have an abortion on you know if if it came yeah. down to them. But the, yeah. the funny thing is, the far right always wants to act like they're about less government and all of that, but you want to tell somebody that they can't do what they want with their body and they're, you know what I'm saying? Like it makes no well, sense. It's, it's, very it's, it's when it comes to, so it's, it's like we take these talking points and we take these issues and all of these issues are complex. They're nuanced. There's never a one size fits all approach, but everybody wants to try to make them fit in one box. Right? So even when you talk about, <clears throat> you talk about immigration, and you have one side that says that they want to let everybody in, and the other side says that they don't. They don't want to like you know take any context into consideration and help help the people. Like both sides understand that what the truth is. It always lies somewhere in the middle. But the fact is, you can't move people by telling them that things are complex, and you know sometimes it can work this way, and sometimes it works that way. 
people have to be absolute. It's almost, and now relating this back to sports, we have these sports debates. It's never, okay, well, LeBron is the best at his time. Jordan is the best at his time. There's too many rules that have changed to try to really compare. It's like, yo, either I'm team Bron or I'm team Jordan. And that's just the way it is. It's almost like it's called the Vince McMahon, Mc, I'm about to make this up right now, the Vince McMahonization of, of the world, right? I said something similar on the show before, but it now it's of the whole world. You got to choose sides. Is oh, this your great. favorite wrestler or this your favorite wrestler? You, you got to choose sides. Right. So, and it's like that almost in everywhere. I, yo, I see it on social media. I was talking to someone today on Twitter, um, and they was like, yo, I don't go on Facebook. I'm Twitter. I'm like, what you mean you don't go on Facebook? You're Twitter. But people, people, choose side, people choose sides on their social media. People choose sides on their TV shows. People choose sides on their favorite rapper, their favorite ball player, their favorite politician, their favorite political party. And no one wants to get into the weeds to kind of discuss that most most topics are complex. There's some things that I fall kind of conservative on, but there's other things that I'm completely liberal on. But because it depends upon right. the topic, you know what I'm saying? It depends upon the topic. But to answer your question, get back to your question because I got the wraps because I missed the first hour. Is that um, the bottom line is these are people using their powers for evil, right? Because it's a bunch of like yo, they know. And the reason I know this to be a fact is because I know people in the profession. In the political world, I know people who are politicians. This is what they do. They sit back and they say, okay, how can we spend this? And they know they're doing it (laughs) because they know their constituents are idiots. And they will go out and repeat anything, even if if you don't know what it means. Remember those videos they used to run when, you know, people were running around calling Obama a socialist? And then they would ask them, like, well, what is a socialist? And then they'd be stuck sitting in front of a camera looking stupid. Because it doesn't matter what a socialist is. You heard your leader or, you know, whoever it is you follow and whatever political party you follow, you heard them say something and you just go out and repeat it. Like, do you know how many people I hear, black and white, who run around talk about people coming to take their guns? Like, that's not what gun control is about. Gun control is about just not allowing any Tom, Dick, and Harry with mental problems, with you know, a criminal record and all that, get a gun so easily. Listen, man. But I didn't even finish. I didn't even finish watching. Come take your gun. <laughs> I didn't even finish watching it, but someone recommended to me the HBO show where uh, it's about the guy that uh, set up Fox News or whatever. And you know, I saw like the first episode, but it's kind of like that realization, like when Rush Limbaugh and all, all the all the people all his of his ilk, Tucker uh, Carlson, when they all start taking off, and he recognized like, yo. Not only is there money to be made because people want to hear this, but you give people their talking points. There's power in that. It's power in creating platforms that people go to to get their information. Some will say we have a platform like that, although over the last couple months, um, people come on our platform to go at uh, the supremacists. But, you know, let's see the handle there. Shout out to y'all, too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just uh, – <laughs> it's just one of them things, man. Where, yo, y'all got people got to wake up, man. In the words of uh, my, my cousin Killer Mike, me, yo, kill your masters. Y'all got to wake up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the funniest thing I see every day of my life is Democrats and Republicans chastising each other over the same thing that the other one is doing. Oh, you just sheep. You just hear this and you hear that. But the message you're saying right now is a sheepish one because you heard them say that. Like yeah. it's crazy. Like I just, I, I I can't be in the middle of that, man. I I really can't. Um, what else is happening? Look, 
you know, with, with, with everybody trying to make a plan to restart or, you know, the stuff that, that, you know, hasn't had to do anything throughout this whole pandemic and their seasons are just now creeping up to start fall sports in particular. Um, it, it's getting crazy out here because a lot of states opened up too soon. Um, some, in some instances, I don't even think state, some states didn't open too soon. A lot of people got impatient and were out in the streets before the states opened up. Then states opened up a little too soon. And then we have uh, the protests that, you know, arise after uh, George Lloyd, George Floyd, his death. So you had so many people, tens of thousands of people out in the streets in different cities and now it's time for certain things to come back, and there seems to be a second wave of this virus uh, starting to take hold right now. And you have certain states like Florida um, who opened up, uh, a bunch of people got sick, and now some people are closing back on their own. Um, you saw that story uh, about the 16 friends, the girls that went out to a bar, had a good time, partied out, no mask. All 16 of them tested positive for COVID. Um, eight K-State football players have tested positive for COVID. We talked to Naj earlier, Jim, when, uh, before you came, and we were basically talking about how, you know, the sports, the leagues, especially college football, they got to get to that bag. So it's like so many people getting sick, but you know they're still going to open up anyway. You, you know it really doesn't yeah. matter. Like what? What? What do you think? Like when you see eight people from the same team getting COVID, and then in the NFL you're starting to see big names like Ezekiel Elliott and people like that who test positive for the virus. Like, are are we really gonna like? Are, are we really gonna do this, man? Like, are these states gonna stay open? Are yo, these sports gonna open up? I don't know, cause like it's interesting, right? So uh, Miz is putting our group chat. He put down um, there's a rumor that the NBA has a ring and that ring like is able to test COVID like three days before someone comes down with any symptoms and it has a 90% success rate. I'm like, hold up. Where did, first of all, where did the NBA get this ring at? Um, does, does, does Jacob the jeweler Tito have one? How do I get one? Um, <laughs> wait, and, so this ring is like, wait, you mean, oh, look at at first, I didn't know what you meant until you said Jacob the Jeweler. Like, this is a ring that somebody puts on their finger? A little so ring. Like, seeing if you got a temperature or something? Like, yo, NBA, I'm seeing it now. NBA players will wear a smart ring at Disney. The ring is capable of predicting COVID-19 symptoms up to three days in advance with 90% accuracy. And I saw it in a couple articles today, but when I first saw it, I just saw it like, and we get like, I said, yo, this ain't real. I said, it can't be real. How they do that? Wow. And it looked like a regular wedding band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. This is crazy right here. So <clears throat> it's one of them things, man, where it's like, I, I don't know, man, because on one hand, you have so many people depending upon these sports, not just the athletes or the schools, but the people that work within the infrastructure to help these uh these these um <laughs> games of amusement together. You know what I mean? Like, yo, 
it's be, it'll be so much money lost. Like, oh, you already heard Tobias tell us months ago, like, yo, they better figure something out before Alabama season starts. Like, you know. Right, right. Like, because it's on when it's on. The hell with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's crazy, man. Now, you know, that brings me to the next story where uh, Dr. Fauci, um, you know, everybody knows Dr. Fauci at, at this point. Um, he is the foremost expert. Uh, in, in America about viral infections. Um, he's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And I think before he had the nerve to kind of contradict some of the stuff Trump said right to his face, you know, we saw him on TV every day that this crisis was going on. You really don't see Dr. Fauci much anymore. But he's saying, you know, he's not so sure. He's not so confident that all of these fall sports, you know, the NFL and college football are going to be able to have a season. He's like, the the reason being, he's like, just like they're trying to do for the NBA, he was like, the only way that it really can be successful is if you had these people essentially in a bubble, insulated from the, the community um, and tested every day. He said, besides that, it'd be very hard to see how um, football would be able to play, be played this fall. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the NFL and the college, and college football is basically about that bag. This is not news they want to hear. So how far are they willing to go? Especially, like I said, one of the biggest names in the league at this point is at home trying to recover from this thing. Like, how far do you think these guys are willing to go? Man, that's it. Yo, I don't know, man. Like, this is some <laughs> sc- this is like literally scary times because it's like, could we not have a season? Like, is that possible? Right. Like, it went from like just thinking about one league, the NBA, and but everybody just kind of assumed that football will be here, we'll be fine, it'll be all over with by then. But everything, like you said earlier, everything that opens back up, it seems to be getting a lot worse. Like, it doesn't seem to be getting better. Um, right. And the only things that are getting better when you look at the data, like I was looking at something today, it said that uh, uh, states and things that are still closed down, um, you know, their rates are just dropping significantly. And I'm like, yeah, because they're still closed down. <laughs> Once they open back up, because, you know, you can't stay closed forever. Once they open back up, though, it's a wrap. Because that's so, how it is here man, in this Maryland. Is- they're, they're about to do like a phase two opening. And, you know, people are even calling us from like the daycare, like you're bringing the kids back. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I really don't want my kids to be the guinea pigs in all of this. Like, send them back yeah. out into a regular life. I'm still chilling at home because I ain't going nowhere. So, I, I you know, yeah. as much yeah. as they've been getting on my damn nerves, I just don't think I can send them back out there to be the guinea pigs in all this. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Alan Sills, who's the NFL's chief medical officer, He responded to Fauci in the statement. He said, Dr. Fauci has identified the important health and safety issues we in the NFL Players Association, together with our joint medical advisors, are addressing to mitigate the health risks to players, coaches, and other essential personnel. We're developing a comprehensive and rapid result testing program and vigorous protocols that call for a shared responsibility from everyone inside our football ecosystem, saying that the plan's were based on the collective guidance and public health officials as well as other sports leagues. Make no mistake, this is no easy task. 
We'll make adjustments as necessary to meet the public health environment as we prepare to play the 2020 season as scheduled with increased protocols and safety measures for all players, personnel, and attendees. Now, they say all of this, but then you see footage of Tom Brady out in the field, you know, working out with his, some of his new teammates. You see other people doing the same thing. Like, where are the protocols in place then? These are just dudes getting together and doing what they want to. So, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know if you can control, you know, everything the way that it needs to be controlled in order to keep you know, everybody. How many, how many people – See, basketball is different, but how many people are on one football team? 50-some-odd people? Right. 53 people, bunch of 20 coaches. Yeah, bunch man. Bunch of lackeys football, running around with water really like and carrying <laughs> wires. And just... so each, each team is like a branch of the military, cuz. Like, man, <laughs> I just don't know how you, uh, man, that's, that's, that's. And if you're trying to play it as, as normal, then, like, you know, it's a lot of travel involved in that. You know, that's, that's like, that's like at least 85 people on a flight, you know, every week. I mean, that's just one team. Like, 80 people, 85 people on a flight every other week it comes down to, basically. And then, and then uh, like, so we're already, like, you're going to have to count out the crowd. The crowd is going, but just the people yeah. to cover, like, it just opens up so much. Yeah. I don't know, Doug. It's, it's, 2020 has brought forth some problems that I have never seen, and I don't know how to tackle, and I just, I'm curious to see how the rest of this year is going to play out, um, especially in the sports world, because this is where people gather <laughs> daily, weekly. I, I just don't see it. Just don't see it. Just don't see it. Mm-hmm. All right, but yep. we will see what, what happens. Um, real quick, we're going to get out of here after we tell you what happened. This date in sports history, which is brought to you by Digital Extreme Technologies, you or your business need a custom website. Well, for dynamic, professional, and most of all, affordable custom website solutions, you need Digital Extreme Technologies. No need to break the bank for an effective online presence, top quality, results-driven websites at incredibly affordable prices, and yes, financing options are available. Visit digitalextremetech.com or call 267-205-4203. For discounted rates, be sure to tell them War Room Sports sent you. All right, so this date in sports history, June 18th, 2000, Tiger Woods, the, what do you call himself? The Blasian, the Black and Asian, whatever he's called himself. Tiger Woods wins. Calablanation. too much. Tiger Woods wins his first U.S. Open, which was the 100th U.S. Open, by a major championship record setting 15 strokes. Ernie L's and Miguel Angel Jimenez. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a big golf fan, but I watch golf every once in a while. 15 strokes. Like, Tiger was on one that tournament and basically asked everybody else, why the hell did you show up? That was back in his dominant, dominant days. <laughs> he was just giving people the business. Mm-hmm. So salute the Tiger, and we like to, you know, basically give him a nice... Uh, War Room Sports, I would give him a, 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 a black fist, but I don't know if he wants that. So just salute to his historical moment. Um, you got anything else before you take us out of here, Jim? No, man. I just want to tell everybody out there, man, uh, stay, stay safe, man. 
um, <laughs> continue to practice practice social distancing if that even works because I don't even know if that works at this point. You know what yeah, I mean? Go to but, Jacob's uh, yeah. to see if you can get your COVID ring. Yeah, yeah. Go to Jacob and uh, you know let Tito smile every time you see your face and hook you up <laughs> one of them rings, man. But no, man. Shout out to everybody, man. We appreciate the support, man. Everybody on the page is holding it down as we get attacked by the supremacists. We love y'all, man. The supremacists, we love y'all too. Clan, <laughs> so with that being clan, said, man, it's time to get out of here. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another brief in the war room. Shout out to everybody in the chat room, on Facebook, Twitter, the group chat. Shout out to everybody, man. All the people who called and got through, we appreciate it. Those we can get to, we apologize. But, you know, there's no sports, so we're getting out of here. Till the next week, live right here. <laughs> on demand, we catch you up on everything going on in the world of sports, whatever that so, so may be. So until then, enjoy your weekend. Start up next week. Please, like I said, stay safe, be considerate of others, and we'll see you right back here next time. Catch everything we do at The Hub. That's warroomsports.com. Catch all of our social media, all of our content, everything we produce. Make sure you're taking a look at all the different videos because we're producing a lot of videos on this time. So go to youtube.com slash warroomsports or go right to the Warroom Sports page and look up Warroom Sports TV. But pick up my book as well, Sports the Book. You can get it at sportsthebook.com or at The Hub of warroomsports.com. But as we always say, don't accept mediocrity. Be steadfast in the war against ignorance. We'll see you chumps on top. www.warroomsports.com What? Ain't no more to it.